You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. You won't hear from James today. Apologies for that. He'll be back tomorrow with his off-season simulator. We'll discuss that the next day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Now, it's February 9th as I record this episode, and for a February off-season episode, I didn't really feel like recording by myself. I decided to call my old friend Joe and see what's up with Joe. He's having a crazy day up there in Buffalo. He's got his comic book backdrop behind him as we record this episode. Some really nice Venom covers prominently featured. At least that's what my eyes are drawn to. But I figure, Joe, we can talk about, you know, football. We haven't talked for a while. What's on your mind after the Super Bowl? What's going on with the... The Bengals this offseason, what what direction should they go? But let's start with the basic question. How how are you? I'm doing good. I mean, today's a little rough. Uh, you know, every time your phone breaks down, I, I, it's a uh, sends your life into a, a spin and a panic a little bit. So I'm, I'm navigating that. Uh, you feel like you don't have your left hand while you're, when you don't have your phone. But other than that, I'm doing great. I mean, life's good. Uh, retirement is good. <laughs> I mean, there's not much to talk about right now anyway. So that's why when it's good, right? It's when it's when there's games or when there's actually activity where you're like, oh, yeah, I want to want to put out some takes out there or, or get my point across or get my analysis across. But I'm good. I don't have that urge right now. I think your last football tweet was something to the effect of forgettable Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, for sure. I It was, though. Right. I mean, other than Tom Brady being cemented as the best football player of all time. I mean, it's not even, I was always considering him like, he's the best quarterback or greatest. There's a difference, right? Best and greatest to me is two different things. Best, like I think of talent and production and, you know, things you can do on the field. Greatest is he is undoubtedly the most winningest, most accolades. I mean, everything you could want, he, you're not going to pass it. We're not going to see it again. And I think doing it again for another team at this age, um, not only I, I was, I was like, oh yeah, he's the, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Now he's he's the greatest player of all time. It's pretty crazy what he was able to do. And we were talking about this, James and I, in our you know brief recap on the Super Bowl. Brady went down to Tampa. It was a very good roster, and, mm-hmm. and it's not like Brady won it by himself, right? But do you think they win with a different quarterback on that no. roster? Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if uh, James is doing any victory laps. I haven't listened, but he really wanted Bruce Arians when the Bengals were looking for a coach. And of course, he's always loved Tom Brady. So I know he, when they went there, he's like, oh yeah, the Bucks got a chance for a Super Bowl. I thought the Bucks had a chance for a Super Bowl because they got new uniforms or went back to the old ones, not because they got Brady and Arians. But uh, James is probably feeling pretty good about, I wonder if he was taking any victory laps. But yeah, no, if... <sighs> Pick Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, think of the free agents of, and I know they they pale in comparison. But let's say Philip Rivers. They don't win the Super Bowl with Philip Rivers. No they way. they did because it was Tom Brady. And it's his effect on the entire team. That's exactly. the crazy thing about Tom Brady, is you know you see the stories. He's texting everybody at 11 p.m. We're gonna win every night on the week leading up to the Super Bowl. We will win. Tom Brady right. texting everybody on the team, you know, coaching the team. 
And and that's yeah. that's what he does. He bring, he brought in Gronk, you know, Antonio Brown for better or worse. These guys went down there with him. Mike Evans reportedly willing to take a pay cut to to try to keep winning down there. That's what Tom Brady, Tom Brady brings. That's the intangible thing that somebody that great can bring to your team. Now, I, I think you want to make a point, but I want to bring this back to the Bengals and, and Joe Burrow a little bit. But but what were you going to say before we shift in that direction? That is exactly where I wanted to yeah, shift it. We're, at, we're, we're right back into the same wavelength as we were for a long time. But I was right. saying Burrow was getting compared to Brady, not only because I think physically they're probably very similar. Mentally, they process, uh, you know, at least we hope uh, Burrow gets to that point of processing like a, like a Brady would. And they probably win in similar ways, except for Joe could go off script a little bit more than Brady ever could in his career. But that's not required, as we see in, in this game especially. But I think when I always look at the two Super Bowl teams and I go, What's the blueprint that you can emulate? You know, which team is the – what's best for our team to win? Like, is it the Chiefs? Because I love the way the Chiefs have built the roster, right? Like, the, I look at the Bucks and I say, they've drafted well. They, they've, they've also signed a lot of free agents. Is it easy to sign Arians and, and hire Arians and sign uh, Brady? No, probably not. That's a once-in-a-generational you know, thing that happens that doesn't always work out, if ever. Uh, so it's harder to emulate that. But – just because that circumstance is so unique doesn't mean you can't emulate some of the things of the Burrow Brady can you know comparison that we've always been hammering on for the last year plus at this point and and thinking that like I was as I was watching the game I'm midway through the third quarter I'm thinking has there been a throw or a play that Burrow can't make and I'm like no there hasn't been actually this and it was a very unexciting game so maybe that's like that leads to being correct on that but yeah I, there was nothing there that Burrow couldn't do. And I was like, that's good. That's a good thing. And and if you can will your players to play better around you, and that was a lot of the talk of Burrow anyways, and that's worth a lot. And it's just crazy to see the impact that, that Brady was able to have on, I think, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, yeah, the, the Chiefs offensive line is a high school JV offensive line going out against one of the best pass rushes in the league. But for sure, they made Patrick Mahomes look human. And maybe he had a bad day. Maybe Andy Reid didn't adapt very well. Maybe... You know, it was just too easy for the front four for the Bucks that that allowed Todd Bowles to do what he doesn't do and just go to a cover two shell for most of the game. And and that just made it too hard for the Chiefs to get the ball pushed vertically down the field. But whatever it was, I, I attribute at least some of it to Tom Brady. Yeah, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles, Bruce Arians, lots of credit. And and for me, Tom Brady didn't win them that game by anything he did you know, on the field, he was fine. He wasn't mm. the Bucks' best player by any means. Right. And, and he, 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 I think, still deserves a majority of the credit for them winning the Super Bowl this year. And, hey, Patrick Mahomes' two playoff losses, both to Tom Brady. Yeah, it's kind of funny to look at. Maybe my last football tweet before the Super Bowl was looking at, like, the top 10 quarterbacks on PFF that got rid of the ball within two and a half seconds versus the ones that held on to it, uh, you know, the best ones when they held on to it after two and a half seconds. And Burrow was in with the Bradys and the Breezes and those guys that I were, you know, readers, thinkers is how I would think about that group versus the creators after two and a half seconds, the the Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, yeah. and, and those guys, Lamar Jackson, they're out, Josh Allen. I mean, it was it was very clear divide uh, there between the two. And, you know, it's funny that, even in this era when we're like for years now, last few years, we're like, you know, these creators are the next phase. They're the next wave. They're the guys is what you want. 
it's still Tom Brady somehow <laughs> doing what he's got to do and not really doing anything special out there other than being who he is. I just mean, you know, in between the lines, nothing crazy. And they handedly won that game. It was a real team effort. There was a, a coaching disparity. I think that that Andy Reid got outcoached in a way that you don't see him get outcoached very often. And he mm-hmm. maybe was just handcuffed. I, I tweeted that I didn't actually get to watch the game. I had a migraine. I couldn't I couldn't actually watch Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. from from everything I saw, from everything I read, from all of the advanced stats that I looked at, it looked like Andy Reid got kneecapped a little bit like you know, Zach Taylor did with the offensive line. And, uh, it's, it's, I wonder how much of it was, he knew what he had in his offensive line. And so they were trying to just win with Patrick Mahomes because he's our best player versus how much of it was a real lack of adjustment because I'm sure they thought about it. Right. I'm sure they thought, well, we can go to our screen game. We have a really good screen game. Well, maybe he doesn't trust his offensive line to execute his screens because they're complicated. And so, yeah, you're taking away some of your weapons because you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, it's funny because it was like beginning of the third quarter. They could have gotten back in the game. They had a drive that was pretty successful. I think they ended up needing to kick the field goal, I think. Uh, they were very anti-Chiefs, right? Kicking field yeah. goals when they shouldn't have, um, not going for it when they should have, not being as aggressive. But they had this drive where they're doing these short, quick passes, and the offensive line is is hidden. So what happens is they they get down there, kick a field goal, and then that was it. Now the Bucks come down and score a touchdown right away, and it's like, that was their chance, and it to me, and it doesn't always come down to the decision to kick a field goal, but right there it did because it opened the game so much that they had to throw from that point and drop back and throw, and it was just over. I mean, it, the, it, you can't express enough because we've watched bad line play. That offensive line was as bad or worse than anything we've seen in the last three years of the Bengals, and that can't be minimized because it was that bad against a really good defensive line. And you and you mentioned something specific, the drop back pass game. That's when things really went off the rails. And and we've seen that with the Bengals so many times. Last thing I'll mention, game script. Very positive for the Bucks. Went exactly as it needed to go, really. Them playing with a lead, huge advantage with that roster with Tom Brady. Coming back against that kind of team, pretty tough to do in the Super Bowl. That's enough Super Bowl talk, though. I think let's shift gears. Focus the rest of the episode on the Bengals coming up next. If you drive a car, you're probably at some point going to need to replace a part or do some maintenance to keep your car running smoothly, your vehicle on time, in tip-top shape, and Rock Auto has you covered. RockAuto.com, the family business we love to talk about on the Locked On Bengals podcast, has the same prices for you as they have for the professionals. Why pay more for your auto parts when you can get literally any part you could need, whether it's a fuel pump assembly for a Honda Odyssey or something a little bit more accessible like an air or oil filter, rockauto.com has you covered. Go over to rockauto.com right now. Check out their selection of parts available. They've got what you need for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Joe, we've talked enough about other teams in the Super Bowl. This is still the Locked On Bengals podcast, although our listeners may have lost that thread in the last couple of days with some of the Super Bowl talk that James and I have had, but let's 
focus in on the Bengals. This is a, a big offseason, just like last season was a big offseason. They got the quarterback. We're pretty sure Joe Burrow's the guy. And, you know, we're expecting that he should be back around the beginning of the season. You hope that he doesn't have huge mental setbacks from the knee. I mean, Carson Palmer just talked about this. He's talking about how, you know, it it took him a couple of years before he was all the way back mentally. And it'll vary from from player to player. Joe Burrow seems like the kind of guy who's going to come back and be okay, But. Another similarity with Tom Brady, who also had an ACL at one point. Brady did it much later in his career when he was more established. So you wonder how that impacts Joe Burrow's return with that happening early in his career. Regardless, I don't know if there's much we can speculate about there. But what we can speculate about is where they will spend their money in free agency. I think we all agree that there are three very obvious cap cuts coming in Geno Atkins, Bobby Hart, and BJ Finney which means they traded Carlos Dunlap for nothing, but whatever. Let's not get into that. Last season, we were surprised, and they they actually played in the deep end of free agency a little bit with one of our Tier 1 free agents in DJ Reader. They spent $60 million. They shouldn't probably have spent, in cap room at least, on Trey Waynes. And, And now they're looking again as, despite all that spending, top six in the NFL in cap space, and they can expand that a little bit. So, Everyone's talking about Joe Tooney. Everyone's talking about Brandon Scherf. Everyone's talking about Taylor Moten if he gets to free agency. They've got to do something on the offensive line. They've got to know that they need to get better there, right? What do you think from from your retired point of view? You still know the team really well. Where do you think they're going this offseason with all that money? It does feel like there's pressure, right, to spend on the offensive line. Like, there's... It's kind of funny because a lot of times we will think of things very logically, like uh, where should you spend money? Where should you get value? Where can you draft guards? Where can you sign, you know, should you spend money on guards like that? You can get quality guard play. Uh, You can get quality center play. You don't have to get a guy in the first round, whatever the case may be. We'll look at it that way. But then you also get to these points where you go, I don't care about any of that. They need to make a move in this situation. We, you know, you, you can fall into that trap though. And it's not always a good thing. I think we, kind of like last year, oh, the Bengals are spending money. Yeah, we were excited, right? We also had that one episode, you remember, where we were like, now let's, we're going to be a little negative about the outlook of this. Should they spend on a nose tackle? Is Trey Wayne's even good? What are they doing? They're spending on a strong safety that can't really cover. What are, you know, we were very clear on, they didn't sign an offensive lineman. I mean, yeah, they spent money, but was this a productive offseason to build the championship roster the way we conceive it? Uh, so I, you got to be careful. We can get excited and say, yes, they have to go out. I'm going to pound the table and say they better go sign an offensive lineman. And I want a tier one guy because it's a statement as much as anything. Right. It's a statement of we're not going to accept this. What we've done is not good enough. Signing one guy, drafting one, you know, tier four, tier three offensive lineman or, or one fifth round offensive lineman is not what's going to fix this. We understand it. We're going to go out and we're going to spend some money. That speaks volumes. I, I would appreciate that if they did it. Does that mean it's the best way to build the roster? I don't know, uh, because I feel like you could sign three guys for the price of a Joe Tooney or, or a Brandon Scherf and probably get similar production if you hit. The problem is they haven't been able to hit. So they probably are in the situation where go get the proven guy who has not been injured, who has been incredibly consistent, incredibly productive, uh, and that is from the area. And it seems like a lot of buzz is happening there. And I, I guess I keep saying Tooney, and I am keep alluding to Tooney, but it does seem like the back channel stuff keeps like, if they're willing, he's willing. Just make it happen. Yeah, that's 
what the the word on the street is, the Twitter streets, as it were. Brandon Scherf would be a fantastic fit, but you have to assume that he's not on the table. Just with his price tag, he was just an all-pro. You, you don't see the Bengals going that hard at guard. If they did, I mean, that would be something, right? I mean, that would tell you that, oh, yeah, we, we're realizing we screwed up. We, we thought that we could fix this with the guys we had, and that wasn't good enough, so we're going to go get the best in the NFL at his position because he's a free agent, and we have the money to do it. That would be a, a real splash move. Tooney, still really good, still a guard. And mm-hmm. so the question really is, does Taylor Moten make it to free agency? Because I don't see them playing in the Trent Williams end of the pool. I think he's going to get big money from probably a contender. And then the step down from Moten and, and Trent Williams is, is Daryl Williams, who very good for Buffalo this year for the most part. But there's a reason that he was available at the price he was available for. So we talked about this a lot back before last year's draft. You can't expect rookie offensive lineman to come in and make a huge difference. Right. That doesn't mean you don't draft Penny Sewell, but you have to go get offensive line pieces that are going to be at least average. Like maybe you don't hit home runs, but as we talked about in the first part of this show, Joe, and as we talked about a lot last year, you need to be functional. And the Bengals did kind of get to a point where, you know, they were coaching around the offensive line enough that they were able to look somewhat functional at times in 2020 and in 2019. But you shouldn't have to, I mean, I'm going to use this phrase again, kneecap your own offense because you're coaching around your offensive line, right? And so the goal needs to be get the offensive line to a point where it can be functional with the entire playbook open. And you need the depth to do that too. That's that's the secondary challenge that we haven't even really talked about. But is is there a path to do that? Well, they'll show us, right? They'll show us how well they understand this problem. Yeah, and that's depth is a big point too. Because I actually think the the depth could potentially be okay there. Uh, now they need to make some cuts, right? They need to cut Finney and, and probably Bobby Hart. But uh, those two would be great quality depth players if you were able to hold on to them. It's just with the cap number being what it is uh, you know if it was 210 million like they expected originally you could probably say all right i'll keep both of those guys and just add to the offensive line but with the situation you probably cut both um and maybe you get one of them back at a cheap deal but point is uh they probably need to add four guys and maybe that one of them is is retaining quit in spain right maybe one of the one of those moves is getting a guy that can spot start for you at guard and then signing another quality starter and then drafting two guys, whether that be at five or in round two. Uh, I think one of those two picks have to be offensive line. Or And, you know, it's easy to say that because I think the value will also be there, right? There, there should be a good guy you're picking from at five. And if not, there definitely will be one in round two. I think just the way it's, it's um, forecasted to, to, to fall out. But it's not just offensive line also because – I think they need they have a hole at receiver right now. If they if, if they don't plan on having Green and Ross, which it makes perfect sense for me from a monetary standpoint and a production standpoint, I think somebody more than Auden Tate should be that number three. And I like Auden Tate and he's young and I hope he develops. Uh I, I still think he's got a role on this team, but speed is still a huge factor for me when looking at offenses around the league and, and the good ones and the ones I want to emulate. So I, I don't know how you fill that spot. Is it another young guy? Or is it a, a tier three type Josh Reynolds, right? That makes a lot of sense from the Rams who would know the offense. I think that makes perfect sense. And 
you know, there's it could go a few ways because I think this is a really good receiver class that you may get some value in. And I'm at class, I'm at free agent class. Uh, you may get some value with these guys with the cap numbers being what they are. If Marvin Jones is still there in the third week, and I know he's 30, but you know, we're not looking for that number one or number two guy anymore. So uh, I think he may have to uh, accept a role as a number two, number three anyway. So things like that may make sense. Now, the Bengals. You mentioned like Trent Williams. I always still try to stay under like 28 years old and younger mm-hmm. just because I feel like the Bengals will try, like to get their investment or play it safe or not be maybe they're not seen as a win now um, situation, right? It's where those guys would typically land or, or want to go. So maybe a Marvin Jones or someone like that is off the table. But I just think, you know, receive, receiver and offensive line need to be addressed. And I would like to address them before you enter the draft. And like, let's say they don't sign a, a receiver, right? You go to the draft and you're like, all right, we need, we kind of need to take one. And I'd like to take one if that's round two, round three, round four. It kind of just even that in my mind when I'm saying that round two, a guy is like, all right, impact, you're going to start. Round three is like, okay, you can be number three, you're going to rotate with Auden Tate a little bit. Round four is like, you are a specialty guy that's probably just got some speed. Tate probably starts and we're going to mix you in. And that really changes the outlook of how I view, view these weapons. Yeah, I think that the Josh Reynolds conversation is actually really interesting. I wonder how much ceiling he has left. He's 26. He was a fourth round pick. He was a guy that going into that 2017 draft, I went back and looked at my tweets about Josh Reynolds today. And there was a tweet in 2017. I asked, Hey, draft Twitter, wake up. Tell me what you think about Josh Reynolds. And a couple of days later, I was like, Hey, everybody be quiet. Stop talking so loud about Josh Reynolds. I want him in round five. And he ends yeah. up going in late round four. You responded to my tweet asking about Josh Reynolds. And, and you were like, yeah, he's good. He's got yeah, athleticism. Yeah. He had some drop issues. We had some concerns about his frame. I think he's done an okay job of answering those. The athleticism hasn't shown up quite to the degree that I thought it might in the NFL. But, you know, he's 26. It would be a really solid wide receiver three. But to me, the conversation is, is wide receiver three enough? Right? When you're losing, you're, you're, you haven't had a wide receiver one in years. So let's let's talk a little bit about some of their options at number five, whether it's Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell, Jalen Waddle coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action you love. Football might be over, but the NBA is out there. College basketball and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They've got real time odds. They're updated. Whenever you need to make those bets, they've got props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for news, scores, and odds, the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website right now or use your mobile device, and if you sign up today using promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We've talked a little bit about free agency, Joe. We haven't talked about the defense at all which probably needs some attention at some point. Maybe we don't get there today. We'll, we'll probably talk to you again before the draft comes around. But let's talk about the draft, and let's talk about pick five specifically. A lot of prognosticators right now have three to four quarterbacks going one to four. I don't know if I see that happening right now. I think obviously two is probably the minimum. I could see it being three very easily. Seeing a team trade up to get the fourth, I'm not so sure about that. It depends on how teams are going to feel about Trey Lance. I think someone will take a risk on Trey Lance. I just don't know if it's going to be in the top four. So 
if it's only three quarterbacks, that means you need probably a wide receiver or maybe the Falcons. I've seen some drafts that have the Falcons taking Micah Parsons at four. You need one of those guys to go up there if you want to have a chance at Sewell. I think it's pretty likely that Sewell gets picked. Maybe it's like a a 40-60 right now that he's available to the Bengals. That's kind of where it's at in my head right now, somewhere around there. But if you're picking between a wide receiver prospect there or an offensive tackle prospect there, where where are you right now in that positional value? Because you talked a lot about, I, I noticed you said you talk about a wide, a wide receiver in round two, three, or four and how those are different. Well, what if, what if it's a Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle instead? Because, you know, you're talking about going out and getting a wide receiver three. I don't think they've had a wide receiver one since before A.J. Green got hurt in like right. 2018. So... I want to see Joe Burrow throw to a wide receiver one. Do you think T Higgins is that close to being a wide receiver one? I mean, I think he can get there. I think he made great strides as a rookie, but I don't think that's stopping me from aggressively pursuing that in the draft. If there's a guy that's a blue chip available to me. You answered that perfectly. Actually, you talked yourself right into the, the, the correct answer, or at least what I do is uh, that's the difference between projection and really just taking for what we have and what we know now. Um, T Higgins, I think did, Pretty much what he should have done in terms of, uh, okay, he looks like he belongs, looks like he can play at the very least the number two, right? And I think that's what was the idea coming out. Uh, Yeah, we'd like to see him win more contested, more downfield, more jump ball situations. I think that will come. Uh, But does that mean he turns into number one? Now, being super young, the athletic profile, those guys that are super young sometimes don't test as well as they end up being when they're 24, 25, 26 and fully grown and, and you know fully developed. So maybe he'll be a little bit quicker and a little bit you know faster when he gets to that age. Uh, that's projection. That doesn't stop you, like you said, from drafting a 1A type guy. And that's why I fully believe uh, Jamar Chase is that guy. Now, is that worth it? Is that value worth it? What does that do to your offense? Well, I think it completes your receiving core and, and makes it uh, a strength of this team, which is something I want. You want a few areas to lean on, right, And any part of your offense and defense. Well, do they have any real strengths on defense? The, the secondary was really good last year. We have to see what happens with William Jackson. Uh, and if the guys are healthy, they could be even better. On offense, at times – it was receivers, but at too many times, AJ Green just couldn't get open, or just what he was a he was a low percentage target. He was hurting the offense in a lot of. I mean, if you're catching 50 percent of the balls, that's not good. That's going to hurt your team more than it helps. Just getting a guy that can catch 60 to 65 percent of his targets, if that's a Josh Reynolds, let's say, helps your team so much more than just having AJ Green. But is does it help your team as much as having a guy that has to tilt coverages towards him the way Jamar Chase can? and run every route from every position eventually once he gets older. I think he'll get to that point because he has some development to go as a route runner. Um, yes, that changes your offense more than any one offensive lineman, I think. And that's the argument because you kind of need five linemen. and They all don't have to be good, but you've got to have a stable unit in order for that one guy to really make an impact. If you had four okay guys and we just needed a right tackle, Penny Sewell, you're in here, our line's good. I would say that has priority over a receiver, but they're not in that position. Getting one guy, your guards are still going to get beat, right? Your center's still going to get beat. Jonah Williams is still going to have some length issues at times and maybe get bull rushed at times. I mean, you know, getting one all-pro right tackle or left tackle, wherever he ends up playing, doesn't transform your offense. It helps, but it doesn't have the, the, the I guess, the 
outcome or the impact I think a lot of people may assume when we talk about drafting an offensive line for a team that really needs one. So I'm not saying I would take Jamar Chase over them. I'm just saying I would consider it highly. And I think a lot of this conversation over the next couple months is going to be how good is Rashawn Slater and Christian Derrissaw. I think both are really good. And I think they're different, very different. And Slater's young like Sewell was, not as young, but he's young. He doesn't have the size of the other of these other guys. These other guys are big, long freaks, man, that can move in space. Slater can too. I think Slater will actually test very athletically. Uh, but to me, if you already have a smaller guy in Jonah Williams at left tackle, are you taking a Slater? You're going to have two decently athletic technician-type hand guys that just aren't going to overpower anyone and really aren't going to be the, the you know those those type of guys that can just grab hold, anchor, and just hold on. That kind of scares me a little bit. That's not how I would build a team. Now, you draft good players before you before anything and let the chips fall where they may, but that kind of scares me with Slater. I, I think if they end up in a situation where only two quarterbacks go, you're in a rough spot, right? Do we start now considering corner? And there's a couple guys that you may. Do you now start to say, maybe I have to trade back? Do you say, how crazy is it to take Kyle Pitts? Because I don't think it's that crazy. I, I, the value of tight end is the only thing that's crazy of it. The crazy part is that he's a freak, a crazy freak athlete. So I, I would like to have that. But that's a whole different conversation. I think that's when trading down almost becomes the Bengals need to find a way to do it more than anything. Because I think it sucks because I want a blue chip player for the situation they 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 went through this year. But they need so many players and so many added picks and, you know, whether that be on the offense and defensive line. I think you can go back. To, I think you go O-line, D-line, O-line, D-line. And I'd be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, it, it, they do have themselves in a bit of a tricky situation. This is a year where you would love for them to have extra picks from, I don't know, trading Carlos Dunlap last mm-hmm. year or, or Geno Atkins last year, or A.J. Green, if they ever had offers last year. But but Andy they don't. Dalton. Andy Dalton. Yeah. Uh, A.J. McCarron, you know. <laughs> oh, let's not go back there. That was always bonus territory, right? We always knew. We, it's like we were the ones that knew, come on, please, please come trade for this guy. Uh, yeah, so close. Yeah. It's it's interesting though, right? Because they just need to hit draft picks. They haven't been hitting very well. You got Jesse Bates. That's a hit. Right. Sam Hubbard is is a good third round pick, but yep. I mean, he's still not a dynamic pass rusher. He did finish the year really strong. He does. He's a, he's a guy that you want around, but he's not a pass rusher. So if Lawson's gone, well, now you have a dire need at pass rusher, right? And I think this is where Jeff Hobson is coming from. I don't know if you've listened to any of what what he's had to say lately, but he's all in on, they need to go defense, defense, defense. Their offensive line addition is Frank Pollock. And obviously we're we're not there. Like Frank Pollock isn't going to make rainbows out of whatever the Bengals have on their offensive line. I'm going to refrain from using an expletive, but he he can't do it. He's a coach, right? You can only do so much. You might get a a little bit of better performance, but you need new players there too. And so... Yeah, the defense needs help, but at least you have the secondary generally playing pretty well. Von Bell found his rhythm last year toward the end of the year. Seems like they figured out how to use him a little bit. Just big questions at corner, especially with depth. They can't run with the same depth they had last year. They need like four corners to go with Trey Waynes and maybe three. You count Darius Phillips, but they just have a lot of needs in a lot of places right now. And so they just have to hit and where do they have to hit more than anywhere else? What what I've been saying is they need to keep Joe Burrow on his feet. They need to protect him. He's got to get through the season healthy. I can't be sitting here on this show a year from now and say, 
They've got to protect Joe Burrow. Like that just needs to be done and it needs to be done forever because you've got the quarterback, man. Don't Deshaun Watson him, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. And I do think Hobson has some um, angle here that I, I agree with. I like when I, I don't know if you could do any of these offseason simulators if you've done any yet or you go to free agency. And I know the numbers can be wonky and all that, but that's not my goal. My goal is to more like who can I target in these tiers, right? And remember we made our free agent list. We did these tiers and we're like, all right, pick one guy from here, pick two guys from here, pick three guys from here. And I think that's a good way to, to set like a, an expectation. And I've been going through it like, okay. Yeah, they probably should get another defensive end. Yeah, they probably should get another defensive tackle. Yes, they probably should sign another corner. And also, maybe he's looking at it also, if Lawson and Jackson are gone, well, then you better go get Trey Hendrickson or something. You better go get, and he may command money. He did like 14 sacks this year or something. But point is, you better go get somebody to go start and be your number one edge player because you're not drafting that guy in round two or round three and getting production this year uh, from that guy. So they need to address the three tech position, whether that's, and maybe you're just signing a Roy Robertson Harris from Chicago, right? Guy that can come in and be an interior pass rusher that has played some five tech and they're three, four, and that makes some sense, right? And and that's, that, that's your addition to the interior D line. And you're going to draft a third or fourth round D tackle that has some athletic upside. Fine. That's a, that's a solid plan. Maybe you're signing Ron Darby for um, two years at $6 million a year or whatever the case may be. And that's replacing William Jackson production wise. They've been very similar. So I get it. You're saving some money there. You're you're and you're saying, okay, we're going to sign like four defensive players, but none of them are going to be stars because we, they end up keeping uh Lawson. I think that is a fine plan to increase the depth and the talent on the defensive side. I just think as long as you couple that with, and it could just be a Joe Tooney and Josh Reynolds. And I think that's staying within our, our parameters of how much you should be spending and within, you know, maybe one what tier one guy in Tooney and then a bunch of tier three guys uh, after that. And I think that makes a lot of perfect sense to me and how they probably will attack it. But I wonder if some fans will freak out if Tooney isn't signed in 48 hours, but they have signed two tier three defensive players. Um, and I, it's funny because we listed Trey Waynes as a tier three guy and he goes and he was one of their first signings and we were like, Oh no, what are you doing? So they got to, like you said, they got to hit on it. You got to value it correctly also. Yeah. And that'll be the challenge for the Bengals this offseason. We'll see how they allocate those resources. They have a lot. They're in that top right of that chart where, you know, right is your salary cap space and, and up is your your draft capital they're in the top right of that chart which means they have a lot of resources to play with this offseason and we'll see how they allocate them because as we've talked about joe they have a lot of holes to fill they need to start hitting on some picks they need to start hitting on some free agent acquisitions depth is something that we probably haven't talked enough about generally around the bengals because we saw when that depth was tested in 2020 i mean it was a sheer cliff at a number of positions. And so if you want to be competitive in the NFL, look what happened to the Chiefs. They had their depth tested to the point where it finally broke in the Super Bowl. And and that will happen. You can't you can't prove you can't uh depth proof your team that far, but depth will have to be a topic of conversation when we start to look at some of these lower value deals in free agency. And I think you made this point on Sunday night's podcast when you said uh, the Bengals have six most cap space, but they have the least amount of rostered players. I think that's really it shows that they are lacking that probably that third wave of this team right now. And uh, it's been a few years since they've had more than seven draft picks in a, in, a, in a year. And even when they did, remember, they traded up for Ryan Finley, Rennell Wren. And, you know, they've kind of burned picks because they're like, oh, we 
12 guys aren't going to make this roster. Well, they probably should have. So uh, they kind of uh, um, didn't evaluate their team and their situation correctly there. But yes, you need to, this would be a great year to have multiple picks. And and it's really the thing I, last year, I think we did a podcast in one episode where we really harped on how they built that five-year run mm-hmm. of, um, you know, nailing their draft picks. That was bit, that was key, but they had a lot of drafts where they had like 10 picks because they traded Carson Palmer, because they, they traded Chad Johnson and Keith Rivers. I mean, Keith Rivers and John Ross, you should get a fifth-round pick, right? You, you, you trade A.J. Green for a fifth-round pick like you did Chad Johnson. And, yeah, you're not going to get a first and second for Andy Dalton, but you get something, and you get something for Geno Atkins. You get something for Carlos Dunlap, and that's how you have a draft with 10 picks. That's how you have a following draft. So 10 picks one year and nine picks the next year, great. You have to have that. Instead, they've gone 7-7, seven, seven, and you kind of go – yeah, that, that you're really not as deep as you probably should be. You really don't have the you're not rolling the dice as many times as this franchise and this roster probably should. And it's it's gonna be it could be. It could be a situation we look back and say, you know, the depth killed them and it's because they let these guys walk away for nothing and let them age out. Something that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. That's so, that's one of those things that I like to just leave. I like to just leave it alone. After the opportunity has passed, it's like, mm. uh, what are we accomplishing by saying shoulda, woulda, coulda? So we haven't talked about it very much, but you're right. In retrospect, that could very well be a storyline because they, they didn't get anything for him. I mean, and when they were rolling in, in that five-year period, they were also getting comp picks because yeah. that's that's kind of the ripple effect, right? Like you, you get rid of the, you get the assets when you can, you build the depth, you start winning, you start getting the comp picks. And as soon as that cycle kind of breaks, well, that, then the Bengals have found themselves sputtering since then. Joe, we're out of time. Would love to talk more about some of these topics with you, but there will be other chances. We'll talk to you in the future tomorrow. You brought this up, Joe. Last week, I did my off-season simulator. This week, we'll get that from James tomorrow. And then back together for the last episode of the week, I will critique and grade James's mock off season the way he did for me. He actually gave me an A minus. He was pretty pleased wow. with what I did, right? I'm pretty pleased with that evaluation from Mr. Rapine. Just a reminder, this episode is brought to you by 1010, the exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Those diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana. 10 design masters each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. So we'll get into James's plan tomorrow. We'll review it the next day and we'll get a mailbag to wrap up the week. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay and have a good one.